Welcome to another episode of Live Sound Bootcamp. Uh, my name is Ryan John. I'm Brandon Draper. And I'm Joe Santarpia. And today we're going to be going over building a stage input list and a patch list. Um, well, I guess first question is, is there a difference between those two to you guys? Uh, I think, well, yeah, I guess because the stage input list could differ from your patch list at the end of the day, you know? In, in, the age of, in the age of digital consoles, yeah, there's a there's definitely more of a relevance for you know distinguishing the two. Right. And Interesting. So, so which one would you actually provide to somebody when you say, "Hey, this is this is my show." Kind of put it together. I feel like you're providing. Like, them well, like the, which is which? Like what is what to, to to you guys? Well, when I when I think about it right now, I feel like the stage input list is what an artist is providing to the engineer or a venue, and then the patch list is a list. Well, a lot of times changes are made on the day of the show. Hopefully not all the time, but that patch list could be different than what the initial stage input list that was created. Gotcha. So you see the patch list as kind of what you're actually doing on your console. Yes. Basically. Yeah, where, where it lands on the console. What's happening on stage. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So does does anybody need your patch list except for you as the engineer? Not I don't really. Think so. Yeah, not really. If you know what's coming in where and you're okay with it, then I feel like you're you're good. I think. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, cuz a lot of You know what's interesting about it? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Brennan. No, no, I, no, go for it. Go for it. You go. I was going to say, what's interesting about it is I don't think I had ever really, first of all, I wrote this down on this piece of paper. It says stage input list slash patch list. And I don't actually know why I wrote it that way. Uh, but I don't think I ever really thought about the difference until just now when you guys started explaining it. Me too. And I, I, now, now that you've explained it, yeah, there is a difference. But what I see the difference as is my input list is, is all the stuff coming from the stage and where it's gone. Mm-hmm. But my patch list includes all all my output patches too. And that's wow. the only part I see as important in the out, in, in the patch list. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but outputs, cause, yeah. cause especially, a, yeah, especially as a monitor guy, right? Mm-hmm. I might be doing a fly date. I fly in somewhere and I've got, uh, I don't know, eight stereo in-ears. I've got a drum sub. I've got, uh, let's say side fill left and right and maybe one auxiliary wedge, right? And maybe a Q wedge as well. And then of course my Q ears. Mm-hmm. And if I'm showing up and it's going to be something like a festival, they need to know where my file is going to be trying to send all that information. Mm -hmm. So that's what I see as a patch list Mm. so that they get to go, okay, cool. We need to make sure, you know, uh, uh, transmitter one is patched into output, uh, you know, nine, 10, number two, et cetera. You know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. My, my drum sub comes on output, you know, 32 or whatever it might be. Right. right. If yeah, if it's on the same mix as the drum top, if if side fills are stereo or if they're mono right, or exactly. you know, things like that, your output patch and, does. And that might even affect how they how they run their amps. Right. True. Right. Yeah, I think so it's So un- until this very moment, I don't think I realized that I think of those as two different things. Yeah, and I th- I think I think knowing that difference is a really important like head and shoulders above where most people are thinking about. Most people are just thinking about the inputs. If you're thinking about the outputs right. too, and you're giving that information to either the sound tech you're working with or with the crew that you as a sound tech are interacting with, it's going to be a much better like 
day of communication and work if everyone's on the same page about that. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. I mean, people just like having all the information in general, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. It's always an easier day when everyone is like, oh, yeah, you know what you're doing. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And yeah, that output patch thing, it's, it's, it's not as common if you're just in the smaller venue arena of like three to 500 person venue. But once you get into festivals, et cetera, yeah, you're going to want you're going to want that patching to be exact <laughs> as, as close as you can. Yeah, it's an interesting, to perfect. Yeah, d- definitely. I mean, that, that in itself actually brings up an interesting question. I mean, Joe, why don't, why don't you tell me your thoughts on this? But like, when do you think as a touring engineer, it actually becomes valuable for you to create a patch list to send out? Or when does it become valuable to make sure things like your outputs are actually on your quote unquote input list? Um, you know, uh, t- scenarios where you don't have a lot of time, it becomes the most important, um, or, or just if you're under resource in general, festivals are, are that environment. Um, walking into one of those, you, you want everyone, the whole stage crew, you want everyone to have as much information as humanly possible. And, uh, that, that would be a vital, uh, point, you know, especially monitor, you know, mon- the monitor output patch is a vital, uh, piece of that puzzle. You know, it's, uh. You know, you got wedges all over right, the stage. Definitely. You don't know which ones are one and what mix. If there's RF, you know, in ears, like whatever. Um, yeah, I think. I think. Yeah, I mean, especially in the context of. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Brendan. Oh no, I, I was just gonna say. Yeah, that 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 seems to be a point of confusion and a point of time wasting. All that I've seen a lot of times is you know yeah. when 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 the band doesn't the band might not know, and then maybe their engineer isn't exactly decided or like they're just doing front of house and they haven't even thought about like what the monitor engineer is going to do at yeah, that festival, yeah. you know? And so it, it becomes something that is decided on the spot. And a lot yeah. of the times it's gets more complicated than it needs to be. And then, you know, front of house right. too, uh, front of house too, you know, some people want to run full range. Some people want, you know, to run matrixes and, and have subs and oxes and, uh, or subs and, um, you know, center fills and whatever else, on separate matrices, you know, um, it's important to communicate that too. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to, yeah. you don't want someone coming in and then sending just a left or right and not, you know, talking about it. And then all of a sudden, Oh, it's like, there's no front fills or subs like, you know, right, right, right. You know, it's interesting you say that. Cause as, as we were talking through this, I realized I've never added my front of house output patch onto any of these sheets ever. And one of the first things I do when I, get up to front of house on either our own show or a festival is I chat with the systems guy and go, you know, what are, what are my inputs to your system? What do you have? Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully it's left, right, sub front fill and, or left, right, sub front fill, outfill left, outfill, right. You know, all those other things, but you know, at least those four. And, um, I think I'm fortunate in that I've built my file in a way that I can kind of deal with whatever they give me, but, it's interesting you say that because I've never thought about putting that onto my sheet so that someone knows it in advance mm-hmm. and I probably should. <laughs> <laughs> well, m- more often than not, you know, depending on the advance, I guess you're, you're kind of at their mercy either way, you know, but, right. but anyway, that's another, that's a whole nother, the politics of all that <laughs> is a whole nother conversation. Yeah. We could, we could um, get into a discussion about like, later on in the podcast about where your outputs from your console are going in the venue and how to get them to give you what you want. Right. Right. Yeah. 
Uh, so I, yeah, what else is on the ahead. list? What else is on this list? Well, I was gonna I was gonna say to 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 jump back to kind of the topic at hand, mm-hmm. specifically you know the stage input list and patch list. I find something that's that's interestingly unique from every single input list I see is how things are labeled, and um, some of them are really really well labeled. Some of them are really confusingly labeled, and some of them like yeah they're acceptable, but the moment you take it to a country that doesn't speak your language you have no idea what's happening anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe, I mean, how do, you, how do you label your input sheet? You know, just try to make it as straightforward and uh, obvious as possible. You know, don't, don't, don't try to get creative with naming things um, and uh, kind of like categorize things if you can, you know, guitar amp one, guitar amp two, so on and so forth. So, so when you've got something like guitar amp one and two on your uh, stage plot, would you have the amps labeled as those same numbers? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Try to try to make you know it all make sense together. Um, yeah. Don't don't put don't put Fender Twin and like you know Vox AC30 on your input list. Just put just put you know for the, for the scenarios like you were saying in another country, just put guitar one, guitar two. You know, on right, the plot right. itself, maybe have it labeled the same. You know, definitely helpful. Well, ha- and then, and then this is. The, sorry, go ahead, Brendan. Oh no, no. If you're going to keep going on this, keep going. I got something else. I was going to say. So that 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 leads to, I guess, my next question though is, what about things like overheads? Right. You know, typically people write overhead left and right, but what's left? Yo, throw in throw in an S. Throw in an overhead stage right, overhead stage <laughs> yep. left. Come on, well, let's so. let's be real specific here. <laughs> Take out the guesswork, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there, man. So when it's things like stage left and stage right, um, in the order that you put them in there, do you typically go from stage perspective? Absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry, so I'm sorry, you do, front of house you do perspective. stage left and then stage right? Gotcha. Yeah, front, front of house so why, perspective. Why do you do yeah, that? Stage right to stage left, or if you're looking at the stage from the left to the right as you're reading a book, um, that, that seems to be the kind of standard that, you know, most people in, on these gigs, uh, have adopted, you know, and it makes sense. It, it's as you're looking at it, you know, as you read. Yeah. Yep. I feel the same way. How about, how about shorthand for things when you're writing your, your stage input list out, like shortening kick in to K I K O S T S B. What, how do you guys feel about that? Does that limit or does that uh expand the possibility so, so of people gets, understanding it that gets interesting to me because k is keyboard k mm-hmm. is kick drum and k is i don't know some other k instrument right mm-hmm. s could be any of many things right my show file itself on my console all it says is k i k o s t s b s two t s two b etc but that's because for me the less there is for me to read the faster i can see what it is right i don't have to read whole words right but on the input list itself it actually says kick in kick out snare top snare bottom or actually it doesn't say snare bottom snare bot which i think everyone at that point can assume is bottom Mm -hmm. um so i I don't actually trim it back as much as you're implying there although for toms i don't call them rack tom and floor tom i just call them tom one two three and four and maybe Mm -hmm. i should write that i don't know three and four are floor toms what do you do I, I I think I I think I usually do 
Rack Tom 1, Rack Tom 2, Floor Tom 1, Floor Tom 2. At yeah, least, I mean, really, that yeah. probably actually makes the most sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory if you've only got three Toms and they're labeled Tom 1, 2, and 3. But I guess there could be room for confusion without I, I don't, that I don't, floor in front of the last one. I don't know. I don't mind standardizing right. it. Just, just you know, Tom one through four. I, I don't do it on my own. You know, uh, you know, my mine say rack and right. floor or whatever. But you know, I don't. I don't mind at all. You know. You see, where it gets real funny is that uh, on one of my gigs, um, the toms I believe go from from left to right. The first tom is on the left side of the second snare. It's a 14. Mm-hmm. The second tom is where, you know, rack tom one would normally go. It's, I believe, a 10. And then to the right of that is a 12. And then to the right of that is a floor 16. Right? So basically, he's got one floor tom on his left, one floor tom on his right. That's where so, it could be confusing. By, <laughs> by my annoying labeling, you know, one, two, three, four would be rack tom one. Uh, rack tom two floor tom on the left of the drummer floor tom on the right of the drummer Mm -hmm. what Mm -hmm. what is kind kind of an interesting uh conundrum too is that we go from stage left to stage right with toms but with everything else we go from right (laughs) stage right i wouldn't wouldn't even say it's stage (laughs) left to stage right because if it was a left if it was a lefty drummer it wouldn't be left to right we're going from smallest to biggest that's true yeah true 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 um, on one of my other gigs, the the drummer he's got you know two rack toms in normal position, and then on his right he's got two floor toms normal position. Except the first one, if you will, if you're kind of going in this this clockwise way from the drummer's perspective, the first one's the bigger one, the second one's the smaller one. Every single show we do, those are patched in correctly. If the house is patched in, <laughs> it just goes one two That's three four. Funny. So. So after a while, we gave up on making it one, two, four, three, and just in our own show files, we just soft patched it because it was just too confusing every single day. And I, I guess I guess that kind of goes to what I was what I was going to say next. Uh, and this is this is the little sub tab we have here for channel order, right? Um, I know that when I'm patching someone else's input list, because let's say I'm you know working for a house for the day, and you know we've got a show coming in. I don't look at each input and go, okay, number one, okay, it says kick in, I'm going to plug it into kick in. Number two, okay, it says kick out, I'm going to plug it into kick two, or kick, uh, uh, input two. What I do is I go, okay, uh, in, out, top, bottom. The, 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 I like remember five or six, and then I do those five or six, right? Mm-hmm. And the, there, is this, there is a danger there that you start to make assumptions, because maybe you, by the time you're on number five or six, you're like, oh, was it this or was it that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is hi-hat so before things stare, like, or is where, it you patch, yeah, before yeah. toms or after Where'd you patch the hi-hat, huh? Exactly, exactly. Where, where so, did you patch the hi-hat, hi-hat Ryan? And, that should be the name of the podcast. I always <laughs> probably patch in the wrong place. That's the thing, because I do it weird. You do do but it but weird, don't you? <laughs> when I patch other people's sheets... I always make the assumption that they've written it the way I would, right? So mentally, I do kick in, kick out, snare top, snare bottom, uh, you know, and then move past that, right? I've learned now, at that point, to stop and look again, because <laughs> I've patched it wrong so many times. You know what? But You don't even have to. What? Just go ahead and throw that hi-hat after that snare bottom. 
Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. But see, that's I, the I thing. Mess with that you. We I'm, can make this assumption. No, no, no. But you are right, man. But we can make this assumption that there is like a standardized channel order. Right, right, right. And I guess that's what I'm getting at is that when you build an input list or a patch sheet, if you use these standardized, I, I mean, I say standardized, but there is no actual standard. It's just there are just these industry commonalities. We all kind of do it this one way. And if you stick to that, then you shouldn't have a problem. And then you could be an asshole like me and do your stuff out of order, and then everyone screws it up every day. <laughs> yeah. I could totally see a yeah, side, so just, side tangent about how the ordering of channels in live and recorded music has changed popular music, just like in a meta ooh. way, right? Because the engine, I, I, I would not disagree with you. Right? Kick I mean, snare, I know it's typically the loudest it, thing. Yeah, I mean, it messed me up for a while because I was always so focused on the kick because it was always the first thing. Now I try yeah. not to think about it too much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and just for clarity for everybody else, um, the reason that both Joe and Brendan think that I'm an asshole <laughs> I, is because... I, did I say that? Did I didn't I didn't say, say that? asshole. I didn't call you an asshole. <laughs> I, that's maybe that's I a little aggressive. You. I mean, we don't even know. Yeah, we don't know the reason yet. Don't... So okay, so us. so yeah. the reason these guys these guys might call me an asshole <laughs> is because my patch sheet and input list both I guess uh, do, it puts the hi hat next to the other cymbal mics next to the other uh, like the overheads in the ride right so my patch sheet might go kick in kick out snare top snare bottom if there's a snare two or whatever it'll go there then it's rack tom rack tom floor tom floor tom hi hat ride over over. That's and fine. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> there's there's so many reasons that I've like convinced myself that I do this for. Uh, whether or not they're like legit reasons anymore, I don't know. But like, I could I could make an easy argument that it's really easy to have four phantom powers in a row, and it's really easy to see if they're all there. You don't have to like worry about checking this one, that one, and in like all these random different places. They're just all right there. So I know I've got Phantom on one, and then I know I've got it on, you know, what is it, 7910? Okay. Uh -huh. You know, All so right. there's that. Uh, potentially, if we're using something like multiple stage boxes to get our whole kit in, uh, then the four channels that need Phantom are all right next to each other. Um, in terms of if, if cutting things off the list, it's going to be those last four if I have to start minimalizing my list. Okay. That, that makes sense to me, because usually I'll cut hi-hat first. That's a good one. Yeah, maybe yeah. hi hat or one you, of the overheads. If you yeah. got hi hat in the middle of your, if you got hi hat in the middle of your drum patch, are you then going to move everything over? Yeah, true. Yeah. It depends on the context of why you're cutting it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're on the subject of order uh, of just you know general sequence of channels. Uh, maybe we um, brainstormed this earlier, but um, you know, keep in mind your ch your channel banks on your console. Um, if you have a, an older digital console or an analog console and there's a master section, um, don't put a stereo channel, you know, with the master section in between it. Don't, you know, if, you're, if your master section's after 24, um, you know, don't put your stereo keyboard on 24 and 25, you know, move it around so that those two faders are next to each other. It's funny that you mentioned that because, uh, mm -hmm. you know, a, a long time ago, I, was, I used to work at Irving Plaza in New York, right? And we had a, you know, Heritage 3K up front. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, it split at channel mm -hmm. 24. So the first 24 inputs were on the left side, the remaining, you know, 24 inputs were on the right side of the desk. 
Um, and I remember so many instances where, you know, we would just build our, you know, support bands or whatever band would be coming through. We'd be writing the input list, you know, from on the fly, right? But we were leaving the headliner on however many channels they had taken up, right? So they might have taken up, I don't know, 12 channels, 18 channels, and maybe, you know, more than that half of the desk. And for some reason at the time, we wouldn't just start on the right side of the desk. And I believe the reason was because monitors wasn't set up in that same way. So it wasn't beneficial for monitors to start all the way at the end there. So we would just start, you know, let's say input 18. And constantly we'd end up with something like, I don't know, a drum pad that was stereo. (laughs) And it would be like on fader 24 and 25 and those two faders were almost two feet away from each other because there's the whole like master section in the middle with you know all the groups and and (laughs) i hit that so many times and every single time i'd hit it it'd be like god damn it but i hadn't done the math to figure out how many channels had been used before to figure out which that pair would be you know that's happened to me a lot of times with a digital consoles the ones that don't let you make stereo channels out of anything you want (laughs) Right, that, just that even to odd. get you, get yeah. you a lot. Yeah, M seven X thirty two, whatever else. I think it's actually all the Yamaha desks, well, probably with the exception of maybe 5D, the newer stuff. Yeah. But but all the older ones, M seven, uh, you know, LS nines, PM five D one D, all of those. If you wanted to make a stereo channel, it had to be odd was left, even was right. Period. So. For the most part, if you're building your input list, try to stick to that just right. in case you end up in a scenario where that's going to be a problem. I mean, obviously, if you're carrying all your own gear all the time, then you don't need to worry about that. But, you know, that just just be aware that that's something you might... It's a guideline. It's a general rule of of thumb. Absolutely. You know, another thing I try to keep in, in, uh, in mind, I guess, when building the channel order and stuff like that is is the sub snakes that venues have and the sub snakes that i might get and there are some pretty standard sizes right you know you get 12 channel boxes you get 16 channel boxes you get eights uh i've seen plenty of sixes uh whirlwind does sixes and Mm. some places have fours right so if you try and keep in mind the sub box sizes you might have available to you at any given place then you should try and put all your inputs from a certain location into one of those sub boxes that would fit within that number. So let's say you have, I don't know, let's say eight inputs on stage right, maybe some keyboards and maybe two guitar lines and whatever, that. If you had a ninth input that suddenly showed up that you go, oh man, we need to get this on that end. Um, if you assume that eight might be a standard subbox size, you might want to see if there's a way to put that ninth input or move one of your inputs to what might otherwise be a larger box. Like the drum subbox right. is usually a large input count box because there's a bunch of inputs on the drum. So are you saying that so, you, you would change the order of your channels to reflect that or you would just change the notation on your input list to say it goes into this stage box? Like is, so, so that's an interesting question in itself. Because um, from the perspective of me wanting to receive channels in the right places and all that, yeah, it would be great and easy for me to just keep my channel order the same, but then tell someone else to patch it into different holes. But that right there is a huge possibility for error, right? If, if, if I've got 
one stage box where input one from it needs to be patched into number one. Number two goes into number two. Number three goes into channel 33. Number four goes into channel 26. Number five goes into number something else. It becomes so hard to trace when there's an issue. Yeah, right. Yeah. And the guy who's patching that is just doing it off this sheet. And if he screws up at all, I'm pretty screwed. And finding that problem is going to be hard. Digging through a rat's nest. Totally. So I'd rather, if I've got, let's say, we're going to pick an annoying number. If I've got 13 inputs on my drum kit, I'm going to expect something like a 16-input box to be thrown there, and I'm going to want it to go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, all the way up to 13, and then just not use those remaining channels. And then I'm going to put the next sub box in right after that, starting at 1 and going through its numbers. Mm -hmm. And when you do it that way, it's a little bit annoying because then, let's say you got a drum vocal, it's going to sit somewhere in input, you know, between 1 and 16, right? And maybe in my actual mixing file, I want it to be right next to the other vocals. But the truth is, it's easier to put that responsibility on me mm-hmm. and have me soft patch it than give someone this crazy rat's nest of stuff where everything is cross-patched. Definitely. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I, I, uh, that's, a good, uh, that's good practice. I, pre- I, I appreciate I mean, that. About Think about how many festivals you've been to where you know it's like a crazy cross patch for and it always gets and, messed and up. And the whole time you're ju- you're just fingers crossed. You're like, I hope this works. I hope this works. <laughs> <laughs> and in the context of the festival, like you don't really get the time. And, you know, if you're a middle or, or or start act, you don't get the time to go. We're going to make sure everything shows up in exactly the right place, and then we're going to, you know, be able to line check it all fully and, and all that. Instead, you do line check. But if something doesn't show up, you only have like, what, three, four minutes left to get it all figured out because your set starts. Yeah. You know, so if you remove all the possibility of that getting screwed up by just making it, you know, one through 16 and then one through whatever and then one through whatever and not do all this cross-patching stuff, you just make the whole gig safer for you, for Mm -hmm. both, you know, front of house and monitors. It's just easier for everyone. Soft-patching is easy enough, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah. I guess you could run into the... On the other side of that, like playing a little devil's advocate, is the person patching it, assuming that you didn't do it in that way, you know, assuming that you didn't do it in the order that would make most sense for the stage boxes. Right. But then that assumption means that they have to go, well, your drum vocal would be somewhere around 27, which is an impossible guess for them to make. Do you know what I mean? They wouldn't be able to guess where it would have gone if you put it next to your other vocals. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So at, at that point, well, also the other thing is sometimes when you got headline act, support act, that kind of thing, sometimes you do have to unpatch sub boxes, right? Like mm-hmm. let's say yeah. we've only got 48 inputs in our split and maybe the venue has many, many sub boxes. Headliner does their own whole thing. Maybe they took up 30 of them. Maybe the second act has another, I don't know, 24 inputs. What they might do is unpatch everything, let's say 25 and up, and then plug in the supporting bands right? And if you've got a crazy cross patch, that's pretty complicated for them to put back together for the headliner. But if you have a really straightforward cross patch, like where it's just one through 16 or whatever, then it's pretty easy for them to put back together. That, that situ- situation does come up. I might, yeah, I might hunt down the production manager prior to, uh, you know, attempting to troubleshoot something like that. But yeah, sure. 
for allowing that to happen, <laughs> yeah, but, that nightmare. Yeah, but that's because you as a headliner, you as a headliner go, yeah, we're, that's just not allowed. And yeah. fair enough, because same for me. I would be like, yeah, you can't un- unpatch any of our stuff. But then again, also, if I had the option, we'd be carrying all our own stuff anyways, and we wouldn't yeah. be going into anyone else's stuff. Of course. But like, let's, let's pick the worst example. Let's say we've got a 48-channel split in the venue, and I've used 40 of them. Mm-hmm. They, they can't do support acts at that point. Yeah, I've or been there. They have to unpatch Without me. unpatching, yeah. Been there as the opener. And you know what's interesting is that usually when I see that scenario happen, I actually tell them to unpatch my, my drum stage box because my drum stage box is input 1 through 16. It's impossible for them to screw that up. Yeah, right? easiest one, easiest thing. Easiest thing to do. It's That's way easier than like figuring out anything else so this is why i don't really believe in putting the cross patch on the input input list and 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 patch sheet i make the cross patch happen in the show file for both monitors in front of house period right deal with it on your own that's probably unconventional though (laughs) yeah no you're right though It, it eliminates the margin for error you know at least somewhat and uh yeah makes makes it easier just visually you know Totally. I mean, let's be real about it. You know, once you're, what, two weeks into tour, do you know exactly which input your lead vocal's going to? Because I do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always like, yeah, it's 33, man. That's where it is. Oh, you know, or whatever it might be. So, you know, having to find something, it's, it's pretty easy for me. But it's not going to be easy for the local guys who are dealing with a different band every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think making it, just making it easier for everybody all around is just the way to go. Totally. So I guess one of the last things I I usually have listed on my input list patch sheets is the, the mics or DIs that we want to be using. I say want to be using because obviously if we're carrying it, yeah, I'm probably going to write it down anyways, because then people know which ends to plug into what thing, but also when we're carrying, all my mics are labeled. Totally. Tell them you're providing. But in the case that you're not providing, you're basically making a request list, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, but put it on there. You know? that, yeah, put it on there. Just go, go. This is what I want, and you know, you can ask for the moon. You can totally do that, but you just got to be realistic and understand you're not always going to get what you ask for. If you're like, yeah, you know, I want a, a U47 on my kickout, <laughs> you might not get that. <laughs> yeah, you might, but um, you might. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, there are places I've been where I've gotten stuff that I never expected they'd have. I mean, you know, I ask for things like M201s a lot because I think they're fantastic mics, they're, but I never expect up. anyone to have one. Yeah, but they're starting to show up. So now you show up in some places and they're like, they've got them. It's quite cool. Yeah. Ask for that but, 201. Um, so, you know, in the context of being at a venue, what do you guys do when you see a sheet that asks for stuff that you don't have? Uh, you, you know, you have a conversation with their, their engineer and you say, here's what we do have. That might be a good substitute. And, uh, you know, you find a solution. Yeah. Ask, defer to them what, what they want to sub it out for. They usually, if they don't yeah. have it on the sheet, they have it in their head, what they're, right, what they right. prefer, you know? So if for some reason you, you don't, you don't have a chance to have a conversation with them, if you're at a festival and they're out front the whole time and no one talks to you when you're on the stage, just, yeah, educate, <laughs> educated guess, you know, do the best yeah, you yeah. can. Would you find it easier if, if a second option was listed? Do you see that often? Absolutely. But now we're getting into tech, like physical limitation of space. I mean, like, you know, 
Again, I'm the guy who likes his stage plot and input list to be on the same page. On one so page, obviously, yeah, yeah. yeah. So this is so this is we're getting into the the um, the limits of the space that you have there. But yeah, section second option would be great if you have the space to list it. Totally, totally. And then, as you just pointed out, Joe, one of the most important things for me to see is whether or not the artist is carrying it or whether or not the venue or rental is providing it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let, let, you know, let them know if you're carrying it, um, and, and then they'll give you a stand without a clip. You know what I mean? Um, right, yeah, right. It's a big time saver for everybody because the house yeah. guys just bring out the stands and yeah. they don't have to worry about getting any of the mics. They can work on patching or doing something else, you know, yeah. rather put, than put, worry right. about choosing the microphones. Yeah. Well, even that's another thing. Stands themselves uh, on all my input list. It says, you know, it. what the yeah, list what, what the channel is. It says what the mic is, and it says what stand it goes on. And it's yeah. either got a star saying I need it, or it has no star and it's not bold, meaning I don't need it. And then there's a key at the bottom that says that you know if it's starred and bold, it means I need it from the house. Yeah, yeah. definitely tall or even if it's a straight stand or a boom stand, that's important too. Totally. You know. It's, I mean, that's always the, the question I end up asking people is like, for lead vocals, do you want tall straight or do you want tall boom? If it's right, on right. the sheet, round bass boom, yeah. yeah, round bass triangle, round if bass it, straight. If it's yeah, if it's on there, then we saved like two minutes of conversation or thirty seconds. But you know, well, so here, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing is that you know, as an engineer, sometimes I don't remember how many stands we're using. I'll be I'll be straight up about that. I don't remember how many stands we use on most of my shows. That's not a thing I remember. Yeah, sure, I'm, yeah I'm, not... I'm terrible about it as well. I, for some reason, you know, it just you... doesn't stick. Even, yeah, even though yeah, night after you, night, you, you know? Up. Exactly. It's like you're asking for the same thing every day. It should be easy, but somehow it's like, you know, we'll, we'll get up there and they go, okay, you know, how many how many stands do you need? I'm like, uh, one, yeah. two. I'm like <laughs> counting in my head. I'm like, yeah, it's nine tall booms, five short uh, booms, and, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but if my input sheet... Uh, has you know short boom, short boom, short boom, tall boom, tall round or tall round base straight stand, uh, etc. All on it, they can just look at it and they go, "That's one, two, three, four, five. Okay, five short booms. One, two, three, four. You know, and they can pull it out. And especially if you're a support act, while the headlining act is checking, venue team or rental team or whatever, they can start pulling the stuff out and even put the mics on the clips and be ready for you. They can be labeling sub boxes, all sorts of stuff, so that the moment those guys walk off, you know, they spike their positions, move things around, and then you're pretty darn close to going. So mm -hmm. the more you give them in that regard, you know, and as yeah. Joe said, you know, you, you know space, space permitting, the better. You know, the the object with these documents is to save everybody time and energy and, you know, unnecessary communication. You know, if you That's put this point. if you put this information down, you know, uh, a a bunch of people can look at it and all be on the same page, no pun intended. Um and <laughs> and and uh you can eliminate the need for having 50 different conversations, you know. Um saves time. Yeah. Time that, no, time that you I, might I, need. I agree with that. You know, definitely, definitely, and you know what? Just to to go with Joe's point of keeping it all on the same page, um, you know, I I don't because I can't with my gig; it just doesn't fit. But uh, it is imperative that you have the artist name on both the input list and the uh, stage plot. It needs to be on both pages. 
because yeah. in a venue, this stuff gets printed out, sometimes stapled together, but sometimes not. Pages just get mm-hmm. disorganized, and they need to be able to look at the sheet and go, oh, this is this artist, and this is all the info for it. Yeah. How many, uh, how many channels are you up to now, Ryan? Um, I believe we are 65 on Jess. All right. Um, mind you, not all of those go to front of house. Some of them are monitors only. Right. Um, I, I don't take all the talkbacks. There's a lot of talkbacks that happen in monitor world. And right now, I believe he sums them all and sends them to me on a single channel because I just, I just don't need all of it. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. While we're kind of touching on that now, if you had to cut some things for some reason, if for whatever reason you were doing a gig and you're limited by either, you know, the size of the console or the venue or whatever, um, what are some things that you would start chopping to make the show happen? See, that's that's an interesting one because it, it's kind of dependent on a lot of factors, right? Because if we're in, let's say it's a smaller venue and that's why we have to cut things, you know, maybe maybe they don't have like as large a split or whatever. Well, smaller venues, I typically start knocking off the uh, cymbal mics first because the cymbals end up in anything, everything anyways uh, in a yeah. small space. And the vocal mics. And but, but if that wasn't the context, like let's say it was still an outdoor festival, but maybe for some reason we're on a support slot and they only have 48 channels or something in order to be able to make it happen. Um, I'd start knocking off talkbacks. Uh, but it depends, and it depends who, and of course, all those techs need to be okay with that. Um, I don't take away things like snare bottom mics, uh, even though I've seen so many people knock that off pretty early on. Uh, I won't do that, because to me, a snare does not sound correct with a snare top mic. It does not sound like a snare to me. Huh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I'd actually, I'd actually probably rather keep the bottom than, than the top. Really? Uh, I've I've <laughs> came yeah, around I've come around to that too recently as well. Like I really want that snare bottom. Huh. In in the in the house. I yeah. You know, you know it's funny cuz if if you rewind, you know, 10 15 years from me, I'd have been like, "No, snare top, it's all I need. Don't need anything else." <laughs> um I, I seriously, I was like totally okay with it. it. It I cannot do without that snare bottom anymore. I mean, if I imagine my favorite sounding drums from a record or a, or a show. It's never the sound of the top that's making that sound. It's the sound of the bottom that's actually like making it really feel like a real snare. Mm-hmm, the actual um, snares. Do you know what I mean? Like you can mm-hmm. kind of get away with faking the top using compression and stuff like that to get some attack and snap, but you can't get away with faking the bottom if you don't have it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I realize that that's totally a, a an aside from from your question, but yeah, I don't cut snare bottoms. Um, I might cut you know a snare two if we have a snare two, and I can go, hey drummer, is there any way we can do today's show without it? And mm-hmm. he goes, yes. Then then we'll find a way to do that. Um, you know, all these things turn into conversations. It's asking the various guys what we can live without. How about like bass mic or di, or if there's a guitar double mic or right. something like that? Would you? Would right. you chop something like that, yeah. or is that is that stay priority? I, w- I would, I'd, I'd probably kill a bass mic. I mean, unless it's you know a very bass centric artist, but for the most part, I can get away with what I need out of a bass DI if it's necessary to start trimming. Mm-hmm. Um, double mic guitars again, it kind of depends on the context. If we're talking a you know, gigantic rock band, sometimes double mic guitars is, is what makes it happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, that's that's spread. 
Yeah, if it's if it's a pop gig and you know the guitar is kind of a background instrument, anyways, yeah, cool. I'll kill off that second mic, and I might double patch it in my show file to the second channel, and maybe just treat it differently to get some sort of stereo width, something like that. That's what's up. What about you, Brendan? Are you are you kind of on the same ish page? Uh, yeah, pretty pretty much the same. Usually, yeah, if it's a sm- if it's cutting because of the size of the venue, then cymbals are kind of like the first to go. Usually, I'd cut overhead right first because if i could still stage right or house right uh house right house right because it's over the hi-hat basically yeah Yeah. or cut hi-hat and keep overhead you know either one right right (laughs) that because you've already got you know two condenser mics over there you might as well just have one in between the the crash symbol and the hi-hat and use it for both right right um yeah and then if if i'm if i had to cut like more than that, I might I, I I might just go mono with the overhead and cut right. it down to there, or or get rid of it completely if I really had to do that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't had too much experience um, double micing guitar amps in bigger venues because mostly I've, I'm working in like you know three to five hundred person venues and guitar amps like almost as loud as the PA. So uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, once I, no, once I no need. do, once I do front of house for some more festivals and stuff like that, like I'm, I, 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 I definitely see the value. And when I'm mixing tracks and, and I hear the ribbon and the dynamic mic, um, paired together or things like that, then I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. Like I, I wish I could, you know, make it sound like this live or like, what use about, this what to about my things like, what about things like kick in and kick out? Would you ever kill one of those off? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. And do you oh, use yeah. both? Do you use both? I do when I when I can, but on I usually kill kick in. I usually kill mm-hmm. kick in if I have Same to. Same for you, Joe? Yeah, yeah, I'd start I'd probably start with killing the kick in. Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing one thing I actually kind of wanted to point out while we were saying this is that, you know, there there've definitely been venues that I've been in where, you know, we're carrying our own gear, so we don't actually have to start cutting things, right? But uh it's a smaller venue, so I didn't want uh, overheads coming through the PA, right? Because there's just already so much cymbal bleed everywhere else. But in the context of some of my artists, like we're kind of in an agreement that I record every single show. So mm-hmm. I put up the overheads anyways. They're not routed to the left, right to go to the PA, but, but they going are to going to the recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if ever the artist goes, I need this recording of this song from that show, I need to have it all there. And if I don't have it there, I can't get away with it. You know, things like uh, kick in and out. You know, I still have a kick drum, so I could get away with it. Uh, bass mic DI, I still have a bass. I can get away with it. But if I don't put up single cymbal mics, I'm in some trouble then when, when yeah. they go, I need a recording from that show. That's true. Also for in-ears too, if, if your whole band is on in-ears, when they go to a smaller right. venue, they they still might want. I mean, actually, for me, most of my sound for the drummer and the band is usually like kick and snare, and then overheads, and then a little bit of toms yeah. blended in. And I actually ride the overheads in people's ears when they need it louder, the drums louder or quieter. So, not in bad. that situation, you know they might not be the first ones, the first things to go. Or if the front of house guy wanted to kill them, if we, for some you reason, might take them anyways. I, yeah. I might put them up anyways and just have them go to me or something like that. 
Interesting stuff, man. Interesting stuff. I feel like that's that's probably deeper than we should have ever gone with an input list and patch list. Huh? <laughs> that's all right. It's deep. That's yeah, good. I don't think anyone's going to complain. I don't think anyone's going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Anyways, uh, yeah, catch us for the next episode, guys. Uh, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Yeah, thanks for listening. Been a pleasure. Yeah.